Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> And he scores it! What a day for Callum Wilson! The first hat trick of his career. Bournemouth lead by four goals to two. Six years ago, they were in the bottom tier. And now, surely, they have their first ever top flight win. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, bringing you a show involving two blokes, two mics and a total of approximately 47 seconds of dodgy jingles. With me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Well, our cherries have been continuing their fine run of form and on Saturday lunchtime, or Saturday night for me, we came up against the might of Tottenham Hotspur. And you know what, Sam? I reckon we might have just turned a psychological corner against the big boys. Yeah, I know. We certainly put in a decent shift. Not bad for a nil-nil, eh? Not bad at all. So I think we should just get started and let people know what they can expect on this week's Back of the Net. We'll be kicking off the show by crossing over to Rob Frank, who is going to be asking another Do You Remember of Cherry's Players Gone By. You'll be pleased to hear Michael is back this week and will be providing his in-depth review of the match this past weekend. And right after that, we'll get some thoughts from the fans as well as people in the media to see what they thought of the nil-nil. I'll be fetching the latest news from Dean Court in Club News and shortly after, as part of the online review, we'll be hearing from Cherries fan Jamie Williams who is coming on the show to divulge his opinion about singing in the stands because it has been quite a talking point. Yeah, quite an interesting topic. and I, I saw some conflicting views online about it. Quite an interesting debate that. But anyhow, after that, as I said last week... I have been searching high and low for Frank Rolling, and I will let you know where I'm at with finding the Frenchman. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to hearing about that, because I've got no idea how far you've got on the search. I don't think it can be done. Then, in association with EA Sports, we'll be giving away a copy of FIFA 17 for the PS4. So whilst I generate my score prediction for the Borough game by playing FIFA, we'll also give you details of how you can win this season's must-have game. 
We'll also preview the actual real game this weekend at Dean Court 2, of course. Oh, and we're going to be doing the draw for the lucky two winners of the Ted McDougall book on the show. Amazing. So, loads coming up on Back of the Net, but let's crack on with our ever-popular quiz, Do You Remember? He was born on the 10th of November 1978. He started his career at Bohemians in the Republic of Ireland. He joined Bournemouth in 2000 and made 168 appearances over the next five years. Skillful player with an eye for goal, he was one of our better midfielders during our season that culminated in our playoff final victory at Cardiff. He scored our fourth goal at Cardiff, but left us in 2005. For Burnley. Do you remember? Do you remember? I know this one, and I reckon you may do too, listener. We'll tell you the answer at the end of the show, so thanks for that, Rob. But now, let's crack on and hear the views of our main man at the Vitality on Saturday in Michael's Match Report. Last October's encounter with tip-top Tottenham Hotspur is best remembered by us Cherries fans for the Mike Bottom impersonator from North London who hijacked the Dean Court Tannoy to declare that it was men against boys out there in the closing minutes of a 5-1 reverse. There was to be no such sneering from any of the London boys on Saturday lunchtime, however, as our heroes in red and black put in a performance in front of the Sky cameras that gave the nation impressive measure of just how far we've come in the space of 12 short months. Despite our recent solid form, the signs were not promising as kickoff approached, as first it emerged that joint top scorer junior Stanislas would be missing from the squad with a calf strain, and then, just as the phrase, well, at least in Josh King we have an excellent replacement, was being uttered around the ground, Dan Gosling was rapidly promoted to the starting lineup when Andrew, I haven't missed a minute all season sermon, was overcome by illness during the pre-match warm-up. Fortunately, Neither of these setbacks appeared to have a negative impact on our cohesion as a unit, as Bournemouth began the game as brightly as the autumn sunshine. An early corner routine begun by White Hart Lane pin-up boy Jack Wilshire seemed momentarily shambolic before Josh King turned and played the ball across the six-yard box to Charlie Daniels, who was preparing once again to launch a two-footed challenge on the corner flag before Hugo Lloris pulled off a top-draw save, pushing the ball onto the crossbar in front of the Ted McDougall stand. Our cherries then matched the famed Spurs high-press, high-energy style for large parts of the first half, a state of affairs which incurred the displeasure of the away side to such an extent that they became the first team this season to pick up four bookings in the first half of a Premier League match, with Eric Lamella's car turning an extremely dark shade of yellow when he followed up a late challenge on Adam Smith with a cynical trip on Jack Wilshire. In between times, Lamella almost made Arthur Boris's nightmare from a year ago against Spurs recur when his shot from outside the box shaved the corner of post and crossbar with our big pole watching on with a nonchalance that suggested he thought it was going at least a couple of yards wide. Redemption was not long in coming for our number one, however, as he continued his outstanding form with an excellent save low to his left after Christian Eriksen's effort had been deflected towards the corner of the goal. As the half drew to a close, 
Bournemouth fashioned another clear-cut chance when Jack Wilshere looped a superb cross to an unmarked Callum Wilson, but the goal machine was never going to score headed goals in three consecutive games and fail to hit the target. Mauricio Potticino's words of wisdom at half-time saw his side take control of the game for the opening 25 minutes of the second half. With the match being played almost entirely in our half of the pitch, it would have seemed only a matter of time before Spurs took the lead, were it not for superb defensive positioning and organisation from our entire eleven, who reduced the time, space and options available to Tottenham to a minimum, and when all else failed, a series of wonderfully timed blocks from Francis and Cook and another tidy save by Boric from Deli Alley kept the sheet clean. With the hour mark approaching, Eddie began to throw the subs, with Jordan Iron the first to get the hook, soon after an entirely unnecessary backheel on the edge of his own box almost allowed Spurs a clear run on goal. Potticino was also looking to reignite his team from the bench, and when Musa Sissoko replaced Deli Alley on 72 minutes, it gave the faithful an opportunity to compare the England international unfavourably to Harry Arter, following another titanic performance from our number 8. Little did we know that Sissoko's entrance into the fray would lead to a multiplayer dust-up in front of the main stand when the Frenchman elbowed Arter full in the face after taking umbrage at the upstart from Woking having the temerity to challenge him for the ball. No action was taken by referee Craig Pawson and despite Harry's carefully considered post-match interviews it is unlikely to be the last Spurs hear about the matter. With two minutes of regulation time on the clock Ryan Flazer replaced a sore-looking Josh King to complete the Cherry substitutions an event which was met with understandable glee from Jack Wilshire as it all but guaranteed him a full 90 minutes for the first time since September 2014. There was to be no fairy tale ending for the England midfielder, however, as he did not get the opportunity to further endear himself to the away support by scoring a late winner when Max Gray ignored his pleas for the ball as the pair of them haired towards Larice's goal. Afobi then almost won it himself for the Cherries when he rose to head narrowly over the crossbar from a Simon Francis cross which was preceded by a Mark Pugh-like turn from the defender which mesmerised the leaden-footed Vincent Janssen. The final whistle was greeted with a roar which anyone walking their dog in Kings Park would have reasonably assumed meant a win for their local heroes and the two Spurs fans that snuck into the seats directly behind me in the family stand grumbled that they hadn't ever before heard a home support so pleased with a nil-nil draw. I wasn't in the least bit tempted to contradict them as they spoke nothing but the truth. So a cracking performance at Dean Court on Saturday and tip-top Tottenham Hotspur. That's easy for you to say, Michael. I bet you can't say that again. Tip-top Tottenham Hotspur? Oh, you can. (laughs) So as always on Back of the Net, we have a song choice that goes to accompany the fan and the media thoughts from the weekend. And we had a number of suggestions on Twitter this weekend. Nick Smith never going to give you up never going to let you down also came up with Jack Wilshire in mind don't stop me now he said Jack is making a huge difference to our season Mike Brannan hit me with your best shot by Pat Benatar great track Steve Wright elbow one day like this I see where you were going there but the winner is Road Cherry that's AFC Beer on Twitter who comes up with a bit of an unusual one but what about Elbowing Your Face by the Swedish popsters Blood Music. I never knew there was a track called that. Ro Cherry, well done. You've won this one. <laughs> Bournemouth against Spurs. We've got to be the man of the match. It's Harry Arter for me. He was a key contributor in the middle of the park for Bournemouth. Only 50-50, maybe even to make the game today. But his work rate along with Wiltshire in the middle of the park was fantastic. And he was definitely the man of the match. Personally, this was a very good result for us. Normally, I don't like nil-nil draws. But against Tottenham and their stature and how they have been doing this year, it's such a good result. I feel like we brought a lot of character into this game. But looking at everything which went on, Tottenham should have gone down to 10 men 110%. Two, maybe even nine men if the referee. The first one was Eric Lamella. He did get an early book. Um, but then just before half time, Dan Gosling, he went for a two-footed tackle. Reckless. Didn't need to do it at all. Should have been red. Obviously, when they wasn't a goal, it's nil-nil. But if you watched it on Sky, and if you were at the game, it was such a good game. And the atmosphere was amazing for both the fans. Your face. Bournemouth are so impressive, Danny, aren't they? 
Well, they played with such an intensity and cleverness. I mean, they got on the, they got right after Spurs, knowing they've been away in the Champions League, not quite at it early on in the game. Uh, I mentioned Arter; he was he was brilliant. But all of them, all of them were at it, um, trying to stop Tottenham playing, making them kick it long. I mean, look at this for a tackle. Out, out Spursing Tottenham, if you like. In a way, yeah, in a way. So thank you to Cherries fans Matt and Dan and also you heard from Alan McAnally from Sky and Danny Murphy's opinion on BBC's Match of the Day. And some good song suggestions there and I've just got to call out Nick Smith for his song for Dan Gosling with Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. I can't believe we missed the opportunity, Sam, to Rick Roll during the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All the kids will know what Rick Roll means. Look it up online if you don't. But in the end, what a perfect song suggestion. Elbow in your face. A beautiful song. So thanks for suggesting that. I'm going to listen to the rest of that album. But what a perfect song. Yeah, absolutely. Love the chorus. So where should we start? The team lineup? Yeah, I think that's best. So obviously Stanislas was out with a calf strain and I, I didn't realise that at the time, but it was kind of announced um, in the afternoon. And yeah, apart from that, it was unchanged. But then during the warm up, Andrew Sermon felt a bit ill. And according to Eddie Howe in the post-match interview, he just said he felt a bit lethargic and not right. Um, so that's when Dan Gosling's stepped in so we had uh two replacements of course king was for stanislas um what were your opinions of those changes sean yeah so i think firstly andrew sermon i mean it was going to take something spectacular for sermon not to get picked in a team because i mean talk about mr consistent every single minute of every premier league game andrew sermon has been out on that park so and there have been some talk from some people including yourself sam at one point saying maybe he should be um, left out. So uh, it was it was sad because I've loved that run and I think he is a in- really important part of the team. But I must admit, it was also a part of me which was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's see if the guys can step up. And to be fair to Dan Gosling, and I know Eddie Howe spoke after to say he's a big Gosling fan, and I think he did really well. I think he slotted in really well and looked confident. And I think our whole midfield played very well. With Stanislas not playing, do you think we missed him? Uh, it's strange because he does give us something, but I I didn't think we did. I think, you know, Josh King and Jordan I playing on the two wings excited me so much. Um, someone actually suggested last week that um, I think it was maybe Ross. Did, uh, was it Ross from Florida? Yeah, it was. He said, you know, if you're playing against uh, maybe a more powerful, uh, you know, right back or left back or whatever, depending on who's playing on which flank, uh, Josh King could be maybe a better, you know, proposition than maybe Junior Stanislas. Um, because we were comparing, of course, Jordan Ibe and Josh King last week. But I thought, yeah, Josh King into the Stanislas, not bad at all. And he's really reliable, Josh King, and he and he does also provide a goal threat. Um he's got such sort of power on the ball. But I thought all the five midfielders worked really well together in what was you know very much a different lineup. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that it was kind of last minute, I guess a good example of how well drilled I think our whole squad is, is Mm -hmm. uh, the chance for Charlie Daniels with that corner. So, you know, originally you're planning on Stanislas playing and you're you're planning on Sermon playing. Yet when that corner technique comes in, it's King that does the step over and kind of pushes the defender out of the way. It's Gosling that's made the near post run. Quick look up with his head. And you can see it's a set plan because it's not until Gosling gets the ball that it's Cook and Daniels then make their push from the penalty spot. Gosling squares it. Daniels, probably if he gets a bit more on it, it's probably a goal. But credit to Lloris for a great save up into the crossbar. But for me, that was a really great early example of whoever comes in just is ready to take on and you know take over. And um, that, that, was, that was pleasing. And I guess, yeah, when you talk about the midfield, obviously we need to talk about number eight Harry Arter just just I don't know it for me he's just he's just going to an even higher level of performance than I think he was before you know I mean you've got Deli Alley 
you know, is opposite number kind of in the in the midfield position for Spurs. And as the crowd were calling, you know, Ali was just a poor Harry Arter, I think they were singing. Yeah, he had a really good game and uh, he was his blocks and his challenges that he was making were incredible. But just the high pressing of the midfield in general, I mean, Harry Arter uh, and Jordan Ive were orchestrating that. They picked this out on match of the day as well. Whenever the Spurs defence had the ball, the the midfield were pushing right up, not giving them much chance at all. And uh, all of that was epitomised. When Harry Arter crunched in with a challenge, won the ball fair and square. Can't quite remember who it was, but he didn't give him much time at all. And I just thought, this is, you know, this is really good. It inspired the fans. Um, and, you know, Dan Gosling as well. He is, um, if you, he's like the ultimate man-to-man marker. Um, he... He completely sort of, you know, like follows his opposition all the time. It just doesn't let them go whatsoever. Um, Harry Arter, of course, got involved in um, a few scrapes, Sean. Um, a lot of Spurs fans have been saying that he went in on Victor Wanyama. Um, not very well. He won the ball, but his studs were up and, you know, Wanyama was obviously not very happy. But then... Obviously, there was that incident with Sissoko. And what did it look like when you saw that on the TV straight away? Were you thinking, right, you should be off? Yeah, as bad as as bad as it looked in slow-mo. And as we we always used to make jokes about the main stand. And sorry, no disrespect to those that sit in the main stand. But every now and then you see the main stand erupt. And you could tell immediately people in the main stand there up on the feet. It was, you know, they haven't been that outraged until the, since the uh, cost of soup went up by 20 pence. They were on their feet saying this is disgraceful, which makes you go, oh yeah, even the guys that were close up, they knew something was happening. And in the replay, it's even worse. I don't know. He says afterwards, oh, he told Harry that it was an accident, but it... I think only in that it was an accident that he thought Harry Arter was a bit bigger and he was trying to elbow him out the way in the chest and obviously clonked him square on the face. But he's actually um, been retrospectively banned, hasn't he, after, after it's been picked up by the FA? Yeah, he's been banned for three matches. Now, that started uh, on Tuesday night. So if you're listening to the podcast on a Wednesday, this was yesterday. So Spurs actually got knocked out the EFL Cup by Liverpool. So, I mean, it had its instant rewards or uh, anti-rewards there. So, they're, you know, they're out now. And also, he uh, he's going to miss the matches against Leicester and Liverpool. Now, of course, it was completely missed by Paulson, the referee. But you, you, you saw it from an angle. He was looking right at it, the referee, wasn't he? He had the perfect view. Yeah, he did. And uh, Phil Neville on BN Sports, which is the coverage I watch, he said the referee bottled it. That's what he thinks. He thinks mm. he'd only been on five minutes and he was a bit on edge because it was quite a... Well, I mean, you look at the stats and there were a lot of fouls from Spurs, especially in that first half. I think they were saying it was the dirtiest first half performance ever by anybody, which... I don't quite agree because, I mean, we used to watch Gillingham play us and that was always pretty <laughs> rough. But, it, you know, I think it was it was one of those games that the passing was so crisp and the movement was so strong that there were late tackles. Having said that, I think some of the challenge Spurs put in were awful. But mm. another point that uh, Phil Neville and Anderton, Darren Anderson was on the TV as well at half time. They were saying, you know, great performance from Bournemouth and they're showing a lot of energy, but can they keep it up in the second half? And they were very much of the opinion that we wouldn't be able to keep it up and that at some point our our levels would drop. Now, we're playing Spurs and, I mean, they beat City. They're, they're, They're up near the top for a reason. And I guess going into this game, we said last week we were looking forward to it to see if we can stand up against the big sides. And I think we've absolutely answered that we've come a long way from last year. And yes, we can, as long as our levels are, are up there, which they were, but you know, in in, given the last four or five minutes of the game, it only looked like there was one side that was potentially going to go on to win it. Wasn't it? There was uh, a phobia had a a diving header where he just missed. And then Francis out wide, just did the quick turn and got the cross in and a phobia headed it off over the bar. And we almost picked it up at the end, but, it was just a really great, enjoyable game. It was as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be going into it. I felt like it lived up to it without the goals, but it shows you that there is such a thing as a good nil-nil. 
Yeah, and that was certainly one of the better ones that I've seen. So in terms of the puns that were submitted over Twitter, now we had a bit of a rebellion from our Twitter arty followers, Gary Chapman. Um, so Neil Whedon piped up with hashtag puns for Gary, and his contribution was Bournemouth and Tottenham play out a goalless draw. <laughs> there you go, Neil. That's what Gary wants. Very sensible. Now, Steve Wright came up with Tottenham spur the chance to go top, even after elbowing the Cherries and the Reds lament Lamela non-red. Quite a mouthful there, Steve. But yeah, we'll let you have that. Robert Murphy, Tottenham thugs meet their match in the Battle of the Boscombe. Hashtag Gary dies inside a little. Can we have a can we have a special feature for Gary maybe? And Steve Phillips, not so hot Spurs fire a blank as the Cherries cook up another solid defensive display. Yeah, that's you know that's not too bad, Steve. Well, it seems like everyone's taking a break from the puns, including Mr. Barker over here as he jogs over for the latest AFC Bournemouth club news. With no puns. Wilshire completes 90 minutes. Jack Wilshire completed a significant personal milestone on Saturday versus Spurs as he remained on the pitch from the first whistle to the last for the first time in over two years following a run of injuries. The Arsenal loanee told the official website... It's nice to get the full game. It'll help me mentally and physically, of course. I'm going to feel better for it next week. When you play game by game, you start to get your confidence back and you start to try more things. I feel as though I'm getting my first five yards of power back and when I have that, I can do more things with the ball. Sounds good, Jack. And surely the next milestone is now your first goal in a cherry shirt. Howe loves all his players, even those he doesn't pick. Eddie Howe this week spoke of the difficulties he is having this season in selecting his matchday squad. With competition for places strong and the team performing well, Howe told the Daily Echo, It's always difficult when you are not selecting players on a consistent basis to tell them you love them and how much you value them because your actions aren't saying the same thing. But I can only pick 11 players and it's a very difficult selection every week. I have to leave some very good players out, not just of the 11 but of the 18. But I love all my players. Unfortunately, that's one of the perils of the job. Okay, I'm sneaking in one. The boss says happier mings about Tyrone. Eddie Howe this week has stated that Tyrone Mings has almost completed his rehabilitation from the serious injury he suffered just six minutes into his debut last season. Mings has managed 45 minutes in the Warren Cummings testimonial versus AC Milan and then over 100 minutes in the cup defeat to Preston but Howe has said he is now very close to a return to first-team action as he nears 100% fitness. In other injury news, Howe has revealed some good news about Lewis Cook in that he will not need surgery for the ankle injury he suffered while representing England under-20s. Following a specialist appointment, there is hope that Cook could potentially be back within three months. AFC B Club News. So you're up to date with the latest AFC Bournemouth goings on in this week's club news. Now on back of the net, it's time for our online review. And this week it's going to be slightly different because usually we regurgitate tweets, Facebook messages and forum posts. But this week they pretty much reflect what Sean and I have already said what Michael said in his match report and also what the fans have said. So we don't want to repeat ourselves too much. But there was a Twitter post that caused a bit of outrage that was posted on Sunday where Jamie Williams, a passionate AFC Bournemouth supporter, said some of our fans need to have a look at themselves in respect of getting behind the team. Far too many are passive. 
And then people piped up like AFCB Pete who said, in my opinion, that's a ridiculous comment. Many around me don't sing and shout. It's their choice. They're no less a fan. And the exchanges went on long into the evening and spilled over into Monday and even yesterday as well. But we thought we'd get Jamie to come on the show to clarify his point because it's clear that we're all singing from the same song sheet, but some of them want it to be sung more than others. So that tweet that he originally wrote was actually a retweet where Antonio Conte was saying how the fans make a difference. So we'll let Jamie take up the story. To set the scene, um, Chelsea had beat Manchester United 4-0. But in game, Antonio Conte was motioning his arms to encourage the fans to get behind the team, make noise, sing, sing some chants. And he did that, and he said in the interview afterwards, he did it because... All he could hear was the Manchester United fans, and credit to them, they were singing their hearts out for the, even though they were four 0 down. But anyway, I thought it was relevant to the home, our home fans, and the fact that where I sit, especially, and I can see it in other stands as well. But many people sit in silence and don't really feel confident enough, or don't want to join in with songs and create an atmosphere. They just sit as if they're watching a snooker match, and I don't think football should ever be like that. I feel strongly about how an atmosphere created by the fans singing chants, and let's be fair, that's what chants are designed for, so you can get behind your team and just really try and influence the result as much as you can. And if I was to read a quote from Saturday's Matchday programme, Simon Francis said... I've always said that your away support has been the best I've ever known at any club I've played for, but of late, I've also felt you have created a superb atmosphere at home. On behalf of the players, we certainly appreciate it, and the noise has helped us to in some, earn some important victories at home. And that just backs up my point that far more important people than me, even Eddie Howe and Jeff Mostyn, I think he said something like, enjoy the game and... And, as always, make the difference. You can be the difference. No one will judge you if you sing a song and some people don't join in. Because there's always an opportunity to get behind the team by singing a chant. Even even if you don't enjoy some chants, you can sing other chants. But it's better than sitting in silence. And also, the uh, excuse of like being too engaged in watching the actual football like Sean and Sam could probably back me up on this like I talk about tactics and message them about various different things how our wingers come inside play in the half spaces how you can clearly see we have a positional play system where the pitch is split up into grids to stop players being on the same vertical and horizontal lines as other players on the pitch and how that structure helps us with counter-pressing the opposition to win the ball back quicker. And I can still sing as well as think about all that, all those factors. And our atmosphere against Southampton at home last season especially, where Steve Wright posted a video of all four stands singing Eddie Had a Dream. And that was the best atmosphere we've probably had since being in the Premier League. And everyone was liking and retweeting and loved it. But yet, people still refused to get involved. And I don't understand the logic about that. Um, it's an interesting talking point, and it dominated the ASB hashtag. So, good luck, Sean and Sam. Uh, thanks for letting me on. Hope you've got a lot to talk about, and keep up the good work, lads. So a very succinct and heartfelt piece there from Jamie Williams. And one thing you do tend to realise after you see and hear things like that is that these people on Twitter, they are actual people and they're, and they're not just usernames. So you do sort of s begin to understand sort of where they're coming from. And I think it was a very impassioned plea by Jamie Williams. So there was a lot of uh, debating, some of which turned a little bit sour over Twitter. But you kind of hear where he's coming from. And he's just genuinely, you know, almost like 
in love with the cherries so much that he he just sees this desire for everyone to go in and sing. And he says, you know, Simon Francis, of course, loves it. Eddie Howard said how much, you know, it makes a difference. But for you, Sean, um, do you think everyone who's visiting the Vitality Stadium, every home fan, should be singing? Uh, I think, like for me, there's just the, I don't know, it's just the realities of going to football is, is that some people will sing and some people won't. You know, I I would contest there are very few grounds in the world that have the full stadium singing, you know? I mean, mm. I think part of it, and I don't know, um, Jamie sounds like he's a bit younger than me because I'm old, but, you know, <laughs> I go back to like the old days of the South Stand and when you didn't have the seats, you could kind of naturally gravitate to the section where you kind of wanted to be. And if you wanted to sing, yeah. that's where you went. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I could see the you know guys and girls at the back singing. And, and for me, it was like, yep, yeah, I want to be in that. So I took my position and I stood on my own when I was 11, 12, whatever. And then I got chatting to some other guys around me who've now become some of my best friends in, in the world. And it was just because we all stood in the same area because we all kind of liked the same thing. And it meant that you did naturally have those singing areas if you like you know and yeah. obviously as soon as the seats came in you had that situation where there was a bit more of a disconnect now i remember in the old south stand there still used to be the left side and the right side and we were all the we used to be on the right side and we'd sing songs at the left side and they'd sing songs back and i know that happens in the north stand but i when we and you sam went and we sat like in i don't know it was like row b seat one and two wasn't it in the north stand we were right in that bottom right corner and there were yeah. a few people around there that wanted to sing, but when there's just two of you, it doesn't resonate. And it's not that you stop singing, it's just it doesn't have that same effect. So, you know, I remember um, when my old man, Jeff, he uh, was the announcer pre-Mike Botto, and he actually used to bring the mic up into the terrace and uh, he'd hand the mic over during Red Army to different people. And it was a bit of a risk over what they said, but hey, you know, there was only... There was only 2,000 people maybe there, so it probably didn't matter. <laughs> it wasn't the days of Sky Sports and, oh, relevant with Mike Botto and the, the Mike incident with Spurs, which wasn't Mike Botto. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I think Mike does a great job as well at getting the crowd going beforehand, you know. But the, his hands are a little bit more tied. I, I would imagine now we're in the Premier League. He probably doesn't have the freedom to probably do as much as he used to. And, uh, I don't know. I th Yeah, I think we're on two sides of this one, Sam. Yeah, it it is a domino effect. And, you know, there are there are some people that do maybe look at you a bit quizzically if you're the only one singing. I've got to say, though, uh, my nephew, Ben, who's in the family stand, he um, he quite often um, will just all of a sudden blurt out these songs and, you know, sit down, shut up. So he doesn't care and people love it. But then I do I do remember uh in one of the games last season, he kind of got it a bit wrong. We were winning 2-0, but we had a quiet lull. The team that we were playing weren't making any noises. <laughs> and he just chanted, is this a library? Is this a library? Like, ben, no, 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 no. That doesn't, that, that doesn't work at home matches. But, um, Jamie, I can, I can certainly see where you're coming from. So, uh, to some extent, I do take your side on that. My other thing is um, I go and watch the Wellington Phoenix here, which is the uh, A-League team that play in the Australian League, the New Zealand national team that we've got, the Wellington Phoenix. And they've got this thing called the Yellow Fever, which is kind of this organised kind of supporter group type thing. And there's the Yellow Fever zone and they all stand in one part of the, of the ground in seats, but it's a 35,000 seat stadium. And at best we get 10, so you can still kind of move around, but they've got their season ticket in the zone. And, it, their singing is actually very orchestrated in that they have certain songbooks sometimes they dish out to people and but they've gone the other way whereas they're the ones that are kind of forced uh, uh, or given the power to kind of generate the songs but the issue I have then with them is I've been before whereby if you start a chant and they haven't started it they don't join in because we start the chance and it all gets a bit oh, I get a bit over it to be honest I hope none of them are listening because they'll gang up on me but it's just you know that's the other extreme is you go okay well we're going to have a singing section and these are the songs and these are the guys that are going to start the song and then that all gets a bit elitist and a bit ridiculous 
Um, sorry, what was that team called? Was it Wellington Felix or or, or North Korea FC, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> stand up, sit down, stand up, yeah. sit down. Uh, anyway, look, whether you sing or whether you don't, if you do sing, just sing extra loud. And if you don't sing, maybe just, I don't know, mutter or... I remember, in the again, go back to the oh, the, old, <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah, the, the way this is sticking up for the main stand now. I attacked them earlier. Now I'm going to stick up. I remember when, when, <laughs> when there was an outrageous decision by the referee or a red card, you knew it was really serious when they take the cushion because you could hire cushions for your seats. <laughs> Do you remember when the cushions would get lobbed on the pitch? Uh, that's hilarious. I, I was at a game once and I was, I was a kid and I was actually sat in the main stand. We had tickets in the main stand and Jimmy Case got sent off for us. And the guy next to me was so disgusted. He threw his half eaten pasty onto the pitch where it remained for the rest of the game on the sidelines. So, yeah, I, I get your point, Jamie, but yeah, just don't become North Korea. But next on Back of the Net, I've been waiting for this all show. Here's Sam with his search for Frank Rolling. Now, you'll have probably heard on last week's podcast that we were talking about Frank Rolling, and this conversation stemmed from... Rob Frank's Do You Remember, where he made a Gallic five-a-side team. Frank Rolling, of course, was one of them. And we joked on the podcast about Frank Rolling, and I said, look, I'm going to make it my personal challenge that I am going to find Frank and get a soundbite from him in the next seven days. And I really want Sean to be proud of me, so I'm going to look for Frank Rolling, and I'm going to chart my progress on this feature here about trying to find the man. Now, let's just start with Google. Ah, now his Wikipedia page comes up first. Now, Frank, of course, is F-R-A-N-C-K, mixing it up there. And, yeah, it's got a picture of him. That is the Frank Rolling, I remember. Um, Just looking at his senior career, actually. He didn't have an extended career with many clubs, to be honest. We were the third highest appearances he had. Strasbourg, 41... Uh, Air United 35 and then Bournemouth 31 appearances but he was uh, pretty good in front of goal scored 6 goals I think most of them as I said last week were in the auto windscreen shield looks like he lives in Strasbourg let's go back to the Google listings a minute and I've got his LinkedIn page here now yeah Frank Rolling Uh, what's he doing right it looks like he owns a place in Strasbourg called Goalfoot, which looks like foot golf, that kind of thing you get. Uh, we've got one in Bournemouth, haven't we, by the big Tesco's, by the hospital. I've done that. It's actually really good. That's called play golf, but this one's called Goalfoot. Now, let's just have a look a bit further down. Yeah, so he's still in Strasbourg. Now, I wonder if I can find him on Facebook. Let's give it a go. Frank Rolling. Hello. Hello, I think I've just found Frank Rolling. He's got his own page on Facebook, but also, there he is. That is the man. I could add him as a friend, but it might be a bit weird. But the thing is with Facebook, is if you send someone who's not your friend a message, then it goes into this kind of filtered inbox, and some people see it, and some people don't, and it's all a bit of a gamble. Um... Oh, look at this. Oh, man. On the 9th of August, he did a Facebook post, right? And it was public, so everyone can see it. And it's a picture of lots of football shirts from teams he's played for. And he was giving away the shirts. He said, I found a few football shirts and soccer jerseys. Only three of these shirts I haven't worn. Easy as there are clues. Whoever finds the clubs and years of every swimsuit, swimsuit, I offer... I'll offer him, a bit sexist, uh, one of my shirts. Let's play. And there's... A number of shirts. Uh, well, yeah, they are very obvious actually because there's a Cantona shirt there. There's a, a shirt, a yellow and blue shirt with Zitelli. I don't know what that is. Uh, and also, there is, oh my goodness, that is his actual auto windscreen shield final shirt. So it's the red and black stripes, it's the three red stripes, two black, because you know, Bournemouth have tinkered with different stripe sizes over the years but it was the Patrick shirt nationwide football league on the sleeve 
um, Seawood Rover MG with a sponsor, and it was one of those special Wembley shirts that had auto windscreen shield Wembley 1998 in an arc just below the club crest. Wow, wow. I had one of those shirts as well, one of those limited edition, I think there was 500 made of them. But it seems like he's giving it away. How annoying. Oh, man. Had I befriended this guy two or three months previous, I reckon I could have got my hands on that. That would have been a great back-of-the-net prize. Oh, superb. But, yeah, that is definitely Frank Rolling. Now, the post was made in Germany. Hmm. (laughs) I'm not a stalker, honest. Uh, Right. Let's just go for it and send him a message here. What do I even say? Hi, Frank. I'm an AC Bournemouth fan, and I present a weekly Cherries podcast. I was wondering if we could get a 10-second soundbite from you, introducing yourself. Uh, okay, screw it. Send. It's gone. It's gone. I'm I'm awaiting those two ticks. If he reads this, that'll be brilliant. Now, I've got, what, five days to go until the next podcast. If he doesn't come through on that, I'm going to need to go an alternative route. But I will. I will get this soundbite. I will. Okay, Sam, so those five days have been and gone. Where's the soundbite from Frank Rolling? Okay. Are we going to have, like, a drum roll or anything like that? Come on. I haven't got it yet. I haven't got it, but it's okay though, Sean, because the Facebook thing has gone to two ticks. Uh, and well, no, that's even worse. That's even worse. That means that he's read it and then he's just chosen to ignore it. It could be, but I'm thinking, you know, he's a busy man. Uh, he's obviously got things to do. Like what I'm going to do is, um, well, you'll find out next week because my search continues. Okay, stay tuned next week, folks, for more Search for Frank. Now, on last week's show, Michael interviewed the Bournemouth legend that is Ted McDougall, where they chatted about his goal-scoring exploits and his new book, which has come out, McDougall, The Ted McDougall Story, written by Bournemouth's own Neil Vacher and Ted McDougall. And thanks to Pitch Publishing, we have two copies of the book to give away. So thank you to all the entries. Um, Yeah, loads of people want this book. So um, Sam, you're the techno whiz. You have all the names and you're doing some kind of, I don't know, boring name, automated (laughs) generating thing, whatever. Go on, what is it? The machine we're using today is Guinevere, and I can tell you that. Let's do the first one. Okay, the first winner, Tim Hancock from Fairham. Tim, well done. You've won. And let's now do the next. Anthony Pins, who is in London. Congratulations to you too. You have won. You both have won a copy of Ted McDougall. Well done. Wow, congratulations and thanks to everyone who entered and thanks to Pitch Publishing who have bought us the book and gave us those copies to give away. If you weren't one of the lucky two winners, then you can purchase the book through various different ways. You can go into the club shop at the stadium and purchase it or you can buy it on the AFCB Superstore online or you can get it on Amazon. So the cost of the actual book is £18.99 shiny pennies, or there's a Kindle version to be downloaded through Amazon. So, yeah, a really good read, um, some really great stories about Ted's whole career, but obviously there's a good chunk there all about our cherries. So, uh, yeah, good fun. And later on in the show, but not that far away, we've got another competition. Hi, I'm Jimmy Glass, and this is Back of the Net. So on Saturday, Bournemouth make the long, the arduous trip, the unenviable journey to the Riverside Stadium as they go to play Middlesbrough in a three o'clock kickoff. Now, Middlesbrough, they 
they're doing okay. I mean, they're 17th in the league. It doesn't look good, but their last match, they drew nil-nil at the Emirates against Arsenal. Previous to that, lost at home 1-0 to Watford, managed to get a point at the Olympic Stadium, one more point than we did, and uh, they lost at home to Spurs. So they haven't had um, an easy run of fixtures, but they're doing all right. So, yeah, Bournemouth are going to be travelling up there, and I suppose um, two questions for me. One what kit are we going to wear? Because it's obviously not going to be anything involving red. So it's going to be either blue or that kind of luminous one. And then the second question is, in terms of the players, how are we going to start? Yeah, whether um, Sermon, does Sermon come straight back in if he's, uh, presumably he's back over his sickness? I think as well as Gosling played, I would still expect Sermon to be back for this one I think he's just Mm. been the mainstay so and he would have played if it wasn't for a sickness so yeah that's my pick Um, and then it's really a down to the I think we've still got that cycle of King, Ibe and Stanislas as the it seems to be as the leading three and then behind that obviously there's there's Gradle and there's Fraser and Pugh but I guess that's probably going to be barring any injuries that we don't know about yet it's probably going to be the big decision you think yeah it's quite interesting actually um if you if you go to the sky sports website and you go onto premier league video you get to see the little clips that they uh, showed during the live coverage on saturday against spurs and one of the bits was callum wilson doing a five minute sort of uh, walk through about his recovery after his injury and you saw him in um one of the recovery suites and in the background was was junior stanislas getting a massage now this was on the friday and um at that point callum said you know junior's just getting ready for the match tomorrow so at that point junior's calf obviously wasn't wasn't an issue so i you know i don't know whether they had a bit of a run out on the friday afternoon and it just tweaked or something but i expect stanislas to be fit because from what eddie said in the post-match uh interviews it you know it was only a minor niggle um so you know you know then you you're thinking yeah how do we go i think gosling will make way as well as he did um sermon is is just that uh kind of pivot in the middle uh you know the linchpin that links everything together and you know gosling yeah he had a great performance but you know what an excellent person to bring on um stanislas and king i don't know sean i I don't know what are you thinking i'm gonna here we go uh i reckon i might be on the bench and Stanislas is going to start Whoa. I reckon well just I I think it's giving us something different and he's but I, I'm still waiting for that final come on you just kick on to that mm. next level and we've seen how well Joshua King has done coming off the bench and do you know what 20 minutes to go seeing Jordan Ibe coming on you'd be pretty uh, fed up if you're a fullback so maybe that will happen we'll wait and see but yeah Middlesbrough have um yeah they're finding they're definitely finding their feet aren't they in the Premier look at us like the well-established Premier League so I don't <laughs> yeah. bless them finding their feet um but we are in good form it's an away game so you still gotta I think I guess you still look at it and go well we look to pick up a point but I don't know or are we now at that next level where you're looking at Middlesbrough away and going mm, I reckon we could pick up three and keep our push for the top 10 who knows? I think it's going to be a good game. Um, Prediction-wise, Sammy. So, go on, do yours first. Yeah. Um, the psychology, I always think of the psychology of these sort of matches. And I think, you know, Middlesbrough have just played a massive team and have got a nil-nil, perhaps in a home game against Bournemouth. We're going to be, it's the equivalent of us playing Stoke City or something. It's a, it's a kind of meh game. It's a meh <laughs> I think we'll win it. I think we'll win it. I think I think we'll be up for it. We'll we'll be wanting to continue the good form. Three um, 0 Sean. That's what's going to happen. Oh wow, way! <laughs> I was not expecting those words out of your mouth. Wow, that, that yes. would be great. Now my prediction is based on the EA Sports game FIFA 17 on the PlayStation 4. So I played as Bournemouth away. I did opt for the blue kit because that's my personal fave of the of the two away kits so we are away at Middlesbrough and uh first half 
Middlesbrough took the lead. Gaston <gasps> Ramirez poked it in the bottom corner past Boric. Bit of a shock. Felt like I was doing okay in the game. Had some half chances. Second half, though. Wow. Joshua King with an absolute thunder bastard, Ooh. as they call him. He cuts in, miles out, hammers it off the roof of the bar, and then Harry Arter no comes way. up with the winner. His status just goes higher and higher, and a great celebration as he ran and stood on the advertising boards to uh, salute. Looked like the home fans, actually, which, uh, yeah, is great to see, and fingers crossed that's what we see on Saturday. Now, if you love computer games like I do and can watch them for hours as well as play them, then head to afcbpodcast.com, and there's a videos page, and there's a little two-minute video, which is the highlights of that preview game I've just played, if you're that way inclined. That's my prediction, thanks to EA Sports. Now, maybe you would like to join in by playing the next game each and every week. And if you have a PlayStation 4, then you could join me and maybe play me online. I know I've had a couple of offers from some people to play online. I'm not hiding. I'm just getting ready for the big game. But this is another giveaway for Back of the Net. Thanks to EA Sports. We do have a copy of FIFA 17 for the PlayStation 4. And if you would like to be in to win, you just need to head to our social media platforms, whether it is our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash AFCB podcast, or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Give us a follow or a like, depending on which one you're going to choose. And then we are going to post a competition image. And you just need to, if you're on Twitter, retweet it. And if you're on Facebook, you just need to comment on the picture. That's all you need to do. And then you are in the draw. So you need to follow or like us and then comment or retweet whether you're on Facebook or Twitter. And you will be in to win a copy of FIFA 17 for the PlayStation 4, thanks to EA Sports. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Oh, this show's like fun house. There's a whole lot of fun and prizes to be won. But now, do you remember? We've remembered it this time, and uh, I think I got the answer, Sean. Uh, did you? Yep, we got the envelope here from Rob. It's a lot of postage from Aussie, so let's at least open it up. Gareth O'Connor. Oh, man, I'll always remember that goal he scored in the Millennium Stadium in that 5-2 win over Lincoln. And I'll always remember seeing him in the kebab house just opposite Clute in Bournemouth. Him and him and Derek Holmes swaggered in at 2 a.m., absolutely drunk as skunks. And uh, they asked for some cheesy chips. So I know that's one of his favorites as well. But great player, great on the ball, low central gravity. And yeah, as uh, as Rob said, he, he could score a goal or two. He could, and he, he went to Burnley, but he didn't come back. But <laughs> I remember that game went up for the cup game against Burnley when we lost it. I don't know how we lost that game. We totally bossed them. And on the back of that, they went, oh, Bournemouth midfield's good. So it was Cotterell A was managing them then, wasn't it? I think, at Burnley. Was it Steve Cotterell? I think it was. And uh, they went and bought Wade Elliott, Gareth O'Connor and John Spicer. Yeah, John Spicer. I certainly remember that. Right now, this weekend, Back of the Net is going to be doing a little bit something different. We're going to be doing a YouTube video because we're really keen to push start things on YouTube. So if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, you can access it just by going to afcbpodcast.com slash YouTube and that'll take you right there. We're going to be doing a little match report after the game, Sean and I. It may just be me this week. We'll see if I can uh, awake Sean from his slumber. It's going to be a bit of a tough one for him to do. But yeah, we're going to have a brief two-minute, three-minute instant knee-jerk report of the game. So be sure to check that out and do remember to subscribe to us too. Yep, and uh, obviously this show is free and the videos will be free as well. Um, If you do want to help support the show, then please do head to afcbpodcast.com forward slash donate. Um, Thank you so much to those listeners that have donated a little bit of your time and money to help us out. We really do appreciate it. It takes us about 10 hours a week to put the show together and we're just a couple of Bournemouth fans that love the club and... uh, try to bring you something a little bit fun um or you can buy a t-shirt eddie had a dream t-shirt is also available on the shop or you can just listen 
and like it or not, you know, if you do like it, keep listening. And thank you so much to all those people that have given us some good support about the show. And Sean, uh, you got some info about next week's show, haven't you? I do. Now, we were hoping to bring it to you this week, but uh, the internet team, our web department, have been a bit busy, Sam. Um, so it's going to be next week. We have Gareth Davies is going to be on the show. He's our AFC Bournemouth shirt expert. And we're going to be bringing you the poll that could decide on the next retro AFCB Bournemouth shirt to be printed and sold in the club shop, which is very, very exciting. So that is coming up next week on the show just for you. When you said you, who was going to be uh, bringing in the poll, I thought it was going to be sort of Arta Boric on a trolley, but hey, who knows? Anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. It is Callum Wilson. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.